Restaurants Unstoppable, episode 826, with the Hunt Brothers and Andrew Smith. I remember standing in the hallway going under the restroom and sitting there and reading about Brandon and Zane Hunt on some article or whatever that was on the wall. I'm like, I gotta meet these guys. They're fucking dope. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, Join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. What's going on, Unstoppables? We have a great show for you today, but a quick reminder that this podcast needs your support. And instead of telling you all the different ways you can support the show, I'm really going to focus on one way you can support this podcast, and that's by using my affiliates. So actually, today's episode is in a way kind of like a bonus episode uh, starting now essentially we're going from 1.5 episodes a week back to two episodes a week because we're just kind of getting ahead of of things. We're getting into a groove. And one of the reasons why I went to 1.5 episodes a week was so I could slow down and work on my business and develop some systems. And we've, we've made some progress. So we're, we're accelerating back up to two episodes a week now. And, uh, basically, uh, we made this choice before I was able to sell ad space to these episodes. So today I'm going to be talking about two of my affiliates, past sponsors who are now affiliates. And if you're not familiar with that term affiliate, it essentially means that these companies are giving me permission to resell their tools and services. So two of my affiliates that I'm really proud to call affiliates because I would be recommending these tools to you regardless of whether or not they were recommended organically on the show uh, or if I was getting paid for these tools and services like I would tell you to get these anyway. The first one is bento box past sponsor of the show. You've heard their ads in the past and you're about to hear their ad again because I'm going to roll it right after this intro and me. So Mies and BentoBox, both affiliates, and honestly, really great affiliate programs. They, they treat their affiliates well. So if you're interested in either one of these tools, I'm about to roll the ads, then make sure you shoot me an email, eric at restaurantsunstoppable.com. Tell me you're interested, uh, and I will make sure that you get put on the right path to get these tools uh, and the incentives. So again, Email me, eric at restaurantstoppable.com. That's the, the best way to make sure that I am going to earn credit for your referral. And thank you in advance if you're interested in these tools. Uh, real quick, BentoBox is just a website developer, not just a website developer. They do much more. And then Mies is kind of like a back-of-house recipe management tool, but it also does way more than just recipe management. It's e-learning. It's hel- it helps you do costing. It's a great platform. So stay tuned for the ads and enjoy today's show. We actually have a really great show for you today. We're talking to past guests, the Hunt brothers, Brandon Hunt and Zane Hunt, the founders of Via 313 and their new partner, Andrew Smith, who is with Savory uh, Private Equity. I don't know. It's a Savory Funds, I think is what their, their, their technical or their full term is Savory Fund, uh, but it's essentially a private investor or a private equity investment firm. And I've mentioned it in the past, but what we're trying to do here with Restaurant Unstoppable is instead of feeding more people into the funnel of to make an example of, I want to start also going back to past guests. I mean, over 800 episodes now, uh, I want to reconnect with some of these past guests and go deeper and pick up the conversation where we left off. Some of these folks have spent almost eight years since I've spoken to them, and a lot has happened since then, and I want to find out what's happened. So we're just picking up the conversation with a lot of these past guests, and uh, Zane and Brandon Hunt are past guests of the show. If you want to check out their first episode, head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 560. You can listen to that interview, get caught up, and then listen to today's interview and kind of get a better idea of who these guys are and uh, what's going on in their business. Uh, So we're talking to Zane and Brandon Hunt today and Andrew Smith, who uh, is their new private equity investor. And we're talking really just about, about private equity investment. When you know you're ready for private equity, who, 
should be going for private equity, what things to consider if you're looking for a private equity investor. It was a really great conversation. Uh, it's, it's a deep dive conversation and I hope you enjoy it. But first, check out these past ads from Bento Box and Mies. And again, if you are interested in a new website or a tool to tighten up your back of house operations, email me eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. And thank you in advance for your support. All right, here we go. This episode is brought to you by Bento Box. Bento Box delivers a restaurant online marketing and commerce platform to help restaurants succeed by giving them back control of their presence, profits, and experience. Bento Box helps new restaurants get started with websites, online ordering, and marketing. You probably already knew about the websites. I mean, every leading restaurant tour out there seems like they're using Bento Box, and that's because their brand building websites are designed exclusively for the needs of of a restaurant. Bento Box builds it for you and then they give you control to update things as you need like menus, hours, and homepage alerts. Beyond awesome websites, you're also getting ordering. Open new revenue channels with online ordering, online catering, and e-commerce so you can sell things like gift cards and merch. And in addition, you're also getting marketing tools. Bento Box makes it easy to stay connected to your diners with pre-built automated email campaigns, built-in SEO, loyalty rewards programs, and more. All of this included with every Bento Box subscription. You should also know that Bento Box has brand new packages designed with the needs of new restaurants in mind. Get everything you need to get started marketing before you even open and succeed from day one. Current Bento Box customers have seen an average of 70% more website traffic, seven times more conversions, and five times their average ROI. I schedule a demo at getbento.com slash unstoppable and receive three months free. Here are four reasons why you need me's in your restaurant. One, it's the most accurate recipe costing tool on the planet. Never again waste time trying to find yields and converting unit measures or creating extra sub recipes just to account for yield updates because Mies has a database of thousands of ingredients and prep actions with yields and conversions built right into the interface. So you get immediate output of your costs and your conversions. That's huge. Number two, you will train your staff the right way and save countless hours. Your team sees in real time updates of all the recipe content. Plus, you can send notifications and answer questions directly through Mies. Quickly and easily create slideshows with video and image so you can show your team exactly what they need when they need it. Here's the third reason why you need Mies in your restaurant. You will reduce waste and execute with consistency. Mies enables you to make precisely the amount of food you need. And that's because every ingredient has automated unit conversions. Tell Mies how many portions you want. Watch your recipe scale automatically. Tell Mies how much yield you want. Watch it scale automatically. You can even enter the amount of ingredients you have on hand and then watch the recipe scale automatically. Here's the fourth and final reason why you need Mies in your restaurant. It organizes and shares your content like never before. Mies is like Google Drive specifically for the culinary operation. Here's your call to action. Go to getmees, that's M-E-E-Z dot com slash unstoppable and make sure you mention Restaurant Unstoppable when signing up to get three free months when you get the annual business plan. Get on it. With excitement, allow me to introduce back on the show for a second time, the Hunt brothers, Zane and Brandon Hunt, and for the first time, Andrew Smith. Are you guys feeling unstoppable today? Always. Yes. Of course we're unstoppable, Eric. Yes. It's so good to have you guys back. The first time I spoke to you, it was 2018. I can't believe that was three freaking years ago. You guys welcomed me into your home. It was awesome. Thank you for doing that. That was episode 560. If you guys want to like just get caught up, go to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 560 Listen to that episode, get a feel for the Hunt Brothers, get an idea of where they're headed, and we're going to pick up where the conversation left off. And we're going to be talking a lot about private equity uh, and partnerships. And honestly, I'm so freaking happy this is what we're talking about because I do remember reflecting back to that conversation. And the thing that excites me about you guys is your willingness to work with other people. And I, I know of, of, of Travis Tober you guys are working with. I know of the, the, the what's the brother, little brother, is it called? Uh, what's the, 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 the young buck? Yeah, um... 
His name's escaping me. I feel like a well, dingleberry. Matt, right Maddie, now. Uh, yeah, Maddie Matt. B. Uh, with, um, better half. Better Jeez. half. And, and Broom Brew. And I don't know if you guys are still working there. I think there was an association there. I heard through Grip. I don't know. I'm kind of speaking on my ass. No, right no. Now. We just invested <laughs> with them. We, we don't help them. They don't. They don't ask for our help. <laughs> But but still, even investing is giving back to your community, and I, it was something that I recognized that you guys have a very we mentality in uh, in partnerships, and, and you go further together is one of the things I picked up from you guys. So, uh, do I need to speak louder? Can you guys hear me? Because okay, cool. So um, today we're going to basically just pick up where we left off. I have, I mean, I know generally what we're going to talk about, uh, but let's just kind of go back to 2018. Um, where were you in 2018? Paint a picture of where uh, you're organized. So I, I don't know. I was sitting here thinking that I'd like to listen to that episode again too. Uh, I didn't get a chance to listen to it. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> that that last episode. This whole episode was we being shot from the hip. <laughs> the best way though. Yeah. 2010. 18. 18. Sorry. 2018. Let's see. We were in his house. I think the East Side had just opened or was about to open. Um, so we were working on getting that. Uh, we had moved the trailer from the east side, the original 6th Street trailer. We moved that to West 6 and then opened the 6th Street restaurant, 6th and Waller there. And uh, I think that's where, where we were. And then we kind of sat still for about three years. So how many total restaurants were you at in 2018? That was that was restaurant number three, three on top of the two trailers. Two trailers. Okay. And what about other projects? How were you involved with other people and what they were doing? At what level was that looking like? Uh, yeah. You know, we started working on Nickel City with Travis Tober and Craig Primovich. And, uh, and then we started uh, investing in some other concepts locally and, uh, I guess, nationally. We have an L.A. pizza place that we were invested in. Uh, in a LA. vegan pizza, yeah, called Parma Pizza, and then uh, and um, were they other uh, like Detroit style pizza places, or was it different? Like that one is, yeah. Okay. That, that, they do New York, Neapolitan, and Detroit, and then we invested in a vegan pizzeria in Austin called Lil Nona's. And this and, is all by in around 2018. Yeah, yeah. Okay. See, the th- the thing is. Unless you like ask, you go to the source. Like it's not really public knowledge that you guys are involved in all of this product. Like I would have never known, but it came out in the conversation. Yeah, because it's not about us. You know, we're just we're helping. And we're that's helping what it's about, though, knowing yeah. <laughs> that it's not about you. And that's one of the reasons why, when I knew you were going to be here, I wanted to pick up the conversation because that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned. Uh, so, w- what else is on that radar from back then? I'm trying to paint the picture of where we were in 2018, and I want to continue the conversation from there. Well, I think. On the radar was um, we'd been approached from a, a mutual friend that had met some bankers that uh, that they hit it off with. He thought it'd be great if we met them. Uh, so we took the meeting, not really expecting much from it. We we just uh, like meeting people that are doing stuff. Yeah, and uh, we we took the meeting with them, Susan and Sean from. I'm going to mess up the. The, vowel, the you're, num- the you're in good company. I have horrible <laughs> names, but uh, but you know we met with them and they, they put together a deck for us, and you know just seeing what was available out there. And, and what do you mean by putting together a deck? Kind of like a a way bigger business plan, <laughs> like a better, like a bigger, like a vision of what yeah, could be. what 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 the company's worth. Uh, really putting the company on a pedestal because again, when you're in it every day. You're just working to survive. You're not sitting there thinking like, man, my company's worth this much money. So what's the benefit of putting your, your company on a deck? And what did you learn about that? Again, for us, the benefit was to just be able to be like, oh, man, the company's worth that much. Like really like <laughs> slowing down to look at all of your assets and to put those on a line yeah, and, like, and add them up. Yeah. I mean, we, we knew we were in a good position because we had no debt and the company's str- sales were strong and you know it's, it's a well-ran operation. But that doesn't translate to X amount of yeah. dollars on a on a check. And I recall that being a big part of your story that I like too. That you guys started in like literally a parking lot, you know. Yeah. And one of the things I say is is like cash flow and people determine your growth. Cash flow and people have to determine your growth. So because of that, you have no debt, right? Yeah, we we had investors on each project. So we his father in law gave us ten thousand bucks to start the trailer. We self funded the second trailer. The Oak Hill restaurant, we sold 30% of that one restaurant to uh, friends and family. The campus location, we sold 30% of that one restaurant to friends and family. Pretty much the same investors, investment group. And then on the east side location, we we went through a bank and 
retained 100% of that location. So what was the, the strategy of selling these businesses to friends and family? The strategy was is that we knew we were on to something good, you know, uh, and we knew to get it out there we couldn't do it on our own. Yes. That we needed help. We needed Dude. people that know more than we do about scaling, about people, about operations, What you're realizing at this point in your story is what I'm realizing right now. Yeah, it's, it's tough. You can have yeah. all the dreams in the world. Yeah. But, you know, this this is already bigger than anything we've ever done yeah. in our lives. So Brandon kind of just went on a tear, kind of listing what, what the painting that picture of what 2018 looked like. And is there anything that you, that you picked up on that he didn't mention? No, I mean, Brandon, Brandon really covered the yeah. In a very very good job, Brandon. Yeah, covered, well well done, Brandon. Covered it. I mean, we were spending time. We had the we we were definitely. I mean, one thing that we were doing that he didn't touch on is we were trying to improve our operations before we went out and sought uh, private equity money. We certainly were taking a look inward. Okay, we have five locations. What could we be doing better? What from an employee benefits perspective, what could we be doing better or differently? That that was a, a big focus. We we'll brought on health insurance right around through that uh, for the for the team right around that time. Uh, we we made some key hires. We brought an operations person on uh, shortly after. It was probably right before we met you, Eric. Actually, in 2018, and then we added an HR person that helped us do some HR stuff. Who was that first? The first title HR, and what was the other one? Uh, we brought on a director of operations, but that was bef- that was probably right before we met you, okay. because. Um, that was after we were opening our second restaurant North Campus. Okay. So, so, but we were definitely coming to the realization that we needed more help, like Brandon said, so, whether that was outside or inside. We needed help. Yeah, you needed help. What was the process of identifying where you needed the help? How did you guys go through that strategy of saying, okay, this is what we're good at. This is not what we're good at. That's and, it. And like, what does that look like? That's it. Being honest. We, we talked about this earlier. Being honest about what, what do I really want to do every day? What am I good at, first of all? What am I not good at? What do I want to do every day? And what do I not want to do every day? And then hire that out. So what were you good at and what did you want to do every day? What, what, was, I good, what was I good at? Well, like oh both of your lanes. And I know I, I haven't forgotten about you. Your time is coming. Oh. <laughs> I'm just here. Andrew Smith, everybody. I'm uh, loving it. <laughs> you're asking me personally what was I good at? Yeah, like I'm trying to identify your I try to be a chameleon. I, I honestly tried to be a chameleon. I would, between the two of us, in those moments, I would be the one that would be like, oh, I, I know Brandon doesn't want to do... Uh, payroll, for instance, let's say. So I, I will gladly jump at the opportunity. I have to bring value somewhere in the business or else why am I there? Yeah. So I was willing to take on lots of different things. I knew it wouldn't last forever, but I was willing to. I was willing to learn it you know, um, and then be the conduit between as we grew and we brought on a person that did payroll outside the company. You know, um, I guess not a CPA firm, but... Uh, Somebody just handled payroll in Austin. Actually, a really great guy, actually. Give him a shout-out. This is Brian about helping Stubbs, good people genuine article. Yeah. We'll see it one more Stud. time I spoke over. Genuine article, Brian Stubbs. All right, nice. Fantastic person. A little nod there. Yeah, he's uh, awesome. He works with a lot of great restaurants in Austin. So, uh, But be, to be the conduit with, with, with him. Yeah. Um, so your focus, it sounds like, it, on like the back back Well, office. it was, but I'm also, I'm also a lover of pizza and recipes and tinkering and yeah. dough. So, R&D. Yeah. yeah. But, but you reach a point at some point in the business where... And early on, you know, 2011, 2012, those recipes were fairly set in stone. There isn't a lot of movement on on that front. Yeah. The, the people that are fans of our brand, they want what they want. They're probably not going to be real happy if we tinker with it too much. Or as our grandma used to say, monkey with it. Don't yeah. be monkeying with the recipes. So that's almost like at a set it and forget it situation. So you move on from we. I moved on from that. My brother's, I think one of the finest uh, operations person people that you could meet. He's got a, oh, no, I mean, oh. really a, a tremendous attention, attention, uh, attention to detail on the operations side that I'll never have. Okay. So, so I, I sit back and watch him in awe on that front. And I don't want to get in his way. So I stay away from that. So you identified your lanes, the roles up to this yep. point and what were you missing? Uh, HR. Well, there's, yeah. I think there's risk as yeah. we grew, we had 200 plus employees and there's certainly gaps in the business on the HR front. Are we like we would ask ourselves where where are we at risk? Right, there's this risk mitigation and, and HR is a problem for sure. So we had no experience uh, anybody doing HR, making sure our manuals were tightened up, our employee manual that there Training wasn't anything there that could cause like lawsuits down the road yep. or something. Because now we at some point, not that we're paranoid, but at some point you're like. We could have targets on our back end. Would be real. It wouldn't be real hard to yeah. take us down because we we do have gaps. It's weird, man. It's weird. It's weird how we're hardwired. Like when I, and I still don't have a lot to my name, but I had more to my name 
back in 2012. You know, I'm not as generous now as I was in 2012. I would have a hundred dollars in my checking account, and I would buy around a beer for, and I would spend half of my money, all of everything I have, to like buy around a beer. It's weird. As you get more money, you have more to lose, and you tend to get yes. more defensive and more. It's a weird psychological thing. You'd think you'd be more the the. You think the natural progression would be more generous, but the truth is you start to get nervous because you have more to lose. There's more at risk. It's hard to make it. That's yeah. why. Yeah. So you knew you the river of it. shit you swam yeah, up to get 100%. there. And you don't want to take that swim again. Yeah, for sure you don't. Michael Phelps can do that. Uh, but like you, like <laughs> I don't know if you, you can again, though. Yeah. Uh, so so it makes sense. So you have to start getting – you have to think like we have more to lose. But not only do you have more to lose, more people depend on you. Yeah. And if you fuck up, you're screwing over a bunch of people. We have, we have 200 plus employees, man. We, that, that, that's our fa- that's our work family, so yeah. to speak, and they are relying on us to provide work for them and to keep Security. them employed. So we have to, yeah, we have to make sure it's tight. I mean, yeah, I love it. We think about that a lot, Brandon. What's going through your mind up to this point? Anything that, as far as like the areas you needed to work on and improve back in 2018? Yeah, I, I think a lot of it was that you needed to have the. Uh, I don't know what the saying is. You got to build the cart before the horses or the horses before the cart. One of them, <laughs> one of those. You yeah. got to build something. I don't know. And, you know, up until this point, all the money that was coming in was our salary. So are you willing to cut your salary in half to fund all this growth that needs to happen or should happen? It, I don't know if we wanted to do that. You know, as up until this point, we've done a really good job using other people's money to fund this growth, but to build out the proper management structure, the real estate team, the just everything that it takes to grow a brand, it's a huge financial commitment to hope that it hits on top of funding the actual buildings and growth. Uh, it just seemed like a huge undertaking that we weren't willing to kind of put all the chips on the table and, and double down on it. it just We'd gotten this far, and we didn't want to risk it all to yeah, lose it. Exactly. So I think what I'm trying to do is crescendo into this idea of growth, private equity, and partnerships. And you have to start to lean on people as you get bigger and bigger because you can't be everything to everybody. Yep. So what was that dialogue? When, you, like, when did you really start having this dialogue of we need to take on partners, we need private equity, like, we need that? Like, what does that, that conversation, that, that dialogue look like? When did it start? Is this when you come into the... the well, they had the conversation before I came into it, so let's hear the conversation. <laughs> well, you guys actually, had. before we go, like while we're talking, like what's going through your mind as we're sharing? So, well, I would say that the things that are going through my mind is I just always love hearing the story. I mean, yeah. it, if you think about it, Eric, it's like the American dream to do what they've done. Yeah. Is it not? It is um, to think of a concept to say, hey, let's let's take the plunge, let's start a business, let's bring this this nostalgic uh, menu and recipe and something that we grew up with to our neighborhood and let's just share it with our friends. Yeah. So actually real quick before we start to dive into where you guys came together, the conversation of private equity and uh, partnerships, what's your history? What's your background? So my background is entrepreneur. I've started businesses just like they have. I've uh, been in business for 24 different years uh, with different businesses. I started in tech. So I built and sold three tech companies. Okay. So I took on private equity. I'd gone through the same psychology that they had to go through to, to, to get to the point where I wanted to take money on. And then I entered the food and beverage industry 14 years ago, right in the middle of the the wonderful recession. It was perfect. It was a barn regrets? fire. No, you know, I think that when there's a barn fire, there's opportunity. So I ran in with a hose. Yeah. I had the capital. I had the ability to go and grow a team. And I, I entered it kind of from a different angle. I saw that, that food was going to be something that was much more shock resistant than the okay. market. So. And did, did you approach these guys or did they approach you? How did you guys come together? What, no, the first like? time I ever approached them, I was a guest. Okay. So I actually went in and, and ate at the East Side restaurant, had an unbelievable experience. Right. And left and it, it made an impression on me. What and, was the uh, impression from a, a, from a consumer perspective? What was your experience? Well, listen, I'm a, I'm a pizza snob, so um, I thought it was the best pizza I'd ever had. But really, the thing that, that hit me was the experience. The whole experience of Via 313 is unparalleled. Yeah. The service, the sights, the sounds, Unique the selling smells, it's just it's every, all, it's like, it's it's all it's, there. Yeah, it's, it's I always call unexpected. it the it factor. I mean, they yeah. have the it factor there yeah. for whatever reason. I remember standing in the hallway going under the restroom and sitting there and reading about Brandon and Zane Hunt on some article or whatever that was on the wall. I'm like, I got to meet these guys. They're fucking dope. Yeah. So I think we set the stage uh, as far as like where you got, what's happened since. Well, actually, get into a little bit more of of since 2018, you said you had three locations, two trailers. Uh, you had some partnerships, investments going on. Uh, 
what has happened from that time to now? We don't need to get into COVID-19. We all know how that went. But like, where is your business today? How many locations do you have? We're still at uh, five locations. So I think two we, more locations opened. We're, we're two more coming. Uh, okay. Well, shit. Four more this year, right? Four more this year, and then we have 10 to 12 next year. Okay. Yeah. So, so massive growth coming. We were really taking the last year to kind of study the ship, work on the processes even more, build the team that, like we said, build the bench, uh, and, and really just kind of hone in. So Because when you hit that button to go, as I've been told, uh, it's going to be go time. We can't, we can't be building systems and processes while we're trying to grow. So we've really taken the last year or eight months to hyper-focus that. This is a huge lesson that I've never heard that expression, build the bench. I think I know what you mean by that. But why don't you explain that a little bit I more? mean, we got we probably have 12 managers ready to deploy the minute the stores are open. So, again, it's the, the financial commitment it takes to grow is we're paying 12 managers a hefty salary, benefits, while they're training, waiting for stores to come to market to, for them to be a work go-to. So, manager to? Salt Lake City, San So, Antonio. general manager or Everything. partner? Like, what's that look like? Oh, general managers, store managers, kitchen managers. Okay. And even building staffing as well. So when I hear building the bench, and I see this happen all the time, people, they hit something out of the park. They have a lot of success. They're like, we need to scale. We need to be first market. Somebody's going to copy us. And they just try to grow fast. And they don't have the people there. They don't have the bench. Their their A-team goes to the, the new location, and there's no one behind them to fill those roles. So what is the approach you're taking? Uh, are you taking the, 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 the general managers and are you moving them to the new locations? Or are you taking the people on, on the bench and moving them to the new locations? Yeah, the, the people on the bench are absorbing the culture. They're, they're, they've been in the stores working for the, like, the last two, three months, absorbing everything, learning you're grooming from the best. Them. Yeah. Yeah. So when they go to Salt Lake or... Uh, <laughs> I don't want to name locations that we haven't announced yet, but it's yeah. San Antonio. Uh, yeah. Before we go, they're, they're already a part of the VIA family, and they know what they need, needs to happen. So, so I did a workshop with Chris Schultz, and I think it's worth mentioning here. Chris Schultz, is, he used to be with Starbucks, then he went with Mod Pizza, and, and then now he's with Voodoo. And we did, uh, we did a workshop together on how you know, it's, how you know you're ready to scale. And he says that you've got to have your culture carriers, the people that you – that embody everything that you say you are and those are the people because you need to recreate yourself and others when you scale you can only make so many impressions so you need you need to multiply yourself Mm -hmm. so they can make those same impressions that you're making yeah i mean it's it's important like everything that you might think is trivial to the experience whether it be a a free scoop of ice cream or a birthday card a free glass of champagne asking if you've ever been here before and explaining the whole menu all that is what makes via extra special the pizza's fine you're gonna like it i hope but all those little extra touches right (laughs) yeah like it yeah uh but all those extra touches are really what make it the you know the whole package yeah and being able to replicate that and stress how important it is yeah so it sounds like over the past three years you haven't i mean you opened two more locations you're at four brick and mortars now or three, we, one more. Just we're still at three and two, but we got uh, Salt Lake City opening August twenty seventh. Got it right around the corner. Right around it. Um, so basically, it sounds like instead of working on scaling the business, you've been working on the business so that it would have legs to grow. A hundred percent. You every business like you just said it too. People say I'm going to grow. I'm going to raise money. I'm going to just blast it out. Most people do that. It's a big mistake. Yeah. You have to be ready your ship. You've got to get your house in order. Him saying that we build a bench, that's a significant investment. Like Brandon just said, it's a lot of money. And yep. most people don't have the money to do that. So one of the reasons that you take on private equity or an investment is to invest into the future. For us, we would believe we believe that building better restaurants with better people is better than adding more restaurants just to add more restaurants. Dude, that's the, biz- the business is all about relationships. 100%. Translation, to build better relationships. 100%. It's yeah. about the people. You can only grow as fast as you have good people. That, exactly. That are not just people to fill the slot. But are people that understand via three one three? Yeah, I love that. So you guys just were on the TRA stage uh, and you were presenting on the topic of private equity and partnerships. What was the framing of that conversation? 
And I tried to sit in, but I had a million different No, it's okay. I, I, I think that uh, Emily did a great job on just capturing when do you go to market to get private equity? What do you have to do to get ready to take on private equity? So and when you identify some of yeah. this stuff already. A hundred percent. And it, it's good. I think that they recorded it. It's on their Facebook. But, but either way, it's to also understand what the relationship could be like post-transaction. Uh, um, our relationship, uh, what it looks like. I think people have this fallacy in their head that it's going to be a real stressful relationship. And it doesn't have to be. And so we just kind of give them some tips and tricks on making sure that they have a relationship that, uh, that works. So she asked you, when do you know you're ready? That's a question for you guys. When do you know you're ready? Oh, I don't. And I think you touched on it a little bit. It's just when you know that you've hit the, your capability, your limit of capabilities. You've hit your ceiling. Yeah, you've yeah. hit your ceiling. I, well, and a side note, too, is like, this is going to sound kind of funny, but we, we both have financial planners, and they're both going, you have this much equity and you have this much money and there's a huge gap, right? You're, you're worth a lot of money and you have no money in the bank, essentially, because the company is doing well. And we've been reinvesting all the money into the company. So another way of saying that is you have a lot of assets, but the cash flow? Yeah. Okay. And, and you know, my, my guy who usually falls in line with his guy is like, you got to bridge that gap a little bit. You, and the only way that happens is by selling a, a chunk of your assets, which... Our biggest asset was Via Three One Three, so equity in Via Three One Three, which is why Andrew's here. Yeah, I think that in the private equity world, we call it your concentration. Most founders are so concentrated in their asset yeah. of their business, but they are too concentrated. They have all their eggs in that one basket. Yeah, and so for us to come in and, and to deleverage them into just that one asset, now they have some. Yeah. Equity. So Br- that's been cashed Zane out. Zane kind of made a little bit of a face, and I don't. I'm kind of learning as a guy. I don't know what's no, going on. Okay. So feel free to correct me. I don't want to paint the yeah, wrong I, picture. I think Andrew. Okay, so when I when we were on stage earlier, I, I mentioned this is we also happen to be serving Detroit style pizza. Yeah. Which in the ten years that we've been doing it has went from something that nobody was aware of to something that has blown up nationally. So we're sitting on something. I mean, we we were among the first to do it. Period. Yeah. I mean, it, probably less than 20 places in yeah. the United States, period. The first to call it Detroit Style Pizza outside of Detroit. And we have probably one of the strongest reputations. Yeah. So we're sitting on something that is could be scaled because we're, we're it's like, what have you guys It's like do- the right thing at the right place at the right time. I've, sorry, I keep going. So uh, I have all these questions. I'm going to write them down. No, no. <laughs> so, um,. It, you, I think we reached a point where, like, if if not now, then when? When would be the right time to do this? Yeah. So I want to make sure I kind of understand because I, finance isn't my strong suit. I'll be the first. I'm really strong with the culture and people. I love that stuff, but I need to learn more about finance. You're saying that you're worth a lot, but you don't have a lot of cash flow. So if you want to bring in, well, the people, I, I actually, Eric, I would say we don't even know what we're worth. Right. According be, to the people honest. that you hired, you had you had a lot of assets. That was where most of your your value was. You have a lot of assets. paper worth. Right. On paper. Things. A lot of you paper own. net worth. Yeah. It's on paper. And if you want to pull in the people that you need to scale, you don't necessarily, you're not liquid enough to pay them, so you need to give them assets, which is your biggest asset, part of Via 313. Yeah, that's what a lot of people do is they give equity in their business to get and retain people to build it with them, and I that's just, expensive too. I just want to make sure I'm aligned. No, on you're, you're totally, yeah. Because I don't know how to use fancy words. I'm still learning. Hey, you're doing no, it's as easy as that. You don't have to use fancy good. words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, so um, that was a dialogue that you guys were having. Um, I broke down the other question I have because I don't think I'm ready at that. But you see that you you started something, um, and there's copycatters out there, and that's just the nature of the business. Mm-hmm. People see success, and that's what we're all we're all guilty of it. Like we see success, we say they're doing something, and that's smart. I can do that too. Yeah. Uh, so now you're saying if we're going to scale, if we're going to do this, and we want to be first market in different markets, we need to do it now. And you're leveraging your assets to, or you're giving up some of your assets to get the people you need to do that. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. And then, of course, you need the capital. So the experience, the playbook, the strategy, and the capital is what you need. They had the brand. I mean, we can't come up with a brand. That's not what we do. We're looking for amazing, genuine you know, brands. And that's what Via 313 is. And I'll, I'll say this, too. I think to, to everybody that's listening to your podcast, too, you've got to be someone that's actually genuine as a human being. These guys... They actually are pro every pizza business out there. They'll go eat at other pizza businesses all the time. They'll compliment them. They have friends in the pizza business in every single state that do Detroit-style pizza. Um, I think that you have to be that way, too, in this industry to yeah. survive and have that reputation. Again, and to hear, if you want to hear how pro these guys are, episode 560, we get into a lot of what they did interviewing other successful people, going around. I love the story, and that's why you guys are here again, because I want to continue the conversation. So what? I guess this is a little awkward because he's sitting right here. 
right? Andrew is sitting right here. What was it about Andrew? How many people are involved in how many how many partners did you bring on? Like, what's the what's the team? Like, what's the? I mean, maybe some people don't want to be mentioned. I get that too. So, in terms what, of what, as far as like savory, so you, like like silent investors or, or silent oh. partners and things like that. I don't want to like you know uh, disrespect anybody's privacy. I was going to say that the, the way that it's structured right now, it's actually super simple. The only partners on the cap table for us now, post investment, is Brandon and Zane, myself, my partner Greg Warnock, and then Shauna Smith. So it's the five of us on the board, and we have a group of investors that are behind us, but they're silent investors. Okay. Um, so that's how private equity works: is you usually have limited partners in the fund, and we use their capital to not only buy in, but uh, to use it to grow as well. So, so yourself, Andrew, myself, Shana. Greg Warnock, Greg. and uh, and Shauna, and then the two of them. So we're the ones making the decisions. Yeah. What were you going to say? I, I just for the listeners out there that may be curious how this even came to be, I can I can fill them in a little bit about about how that happened. So. Uh, <laughs> this is funny. I should tell you everything you need to know about me and then the dichotomy between me and my brother. The, somebody somebody that we know in Austin reached out to me on LinkedIn, sent me a private message and said, hey, I'd like to introduce you to these investment makers. And I, they didn't call them investment makers. I don't know how they spun it. But I just thought it was another um, like sales yeah, type thing. And yeah. we get a lot of those inbound oh, yeah. sales things. So I ignored it. Truthfully, I ignored it. About a year goes by, maybe, and then we have a mutual friend in the uh, restaurant industry, Kevin Warden, actually, in uh, Austin, who used to own a bunch of witch witches, and now he owns Fly Right Chicken in Austin. Oh, he's still on my radar. We he's weren't able dude. to connect. Kevin's so, a good dude. So, get him on the show. Kevin didn't. Kevin didn't reach out to me. Kevin reached out to Brandon and said, "Hey, I got these people that I'd like you. I think you should meet." I think I was out of town, so Brandon ended up sitting down with the investment bankers. And uh, then he tells me, fills me in on the full, um, uh, it was like a lunch. I don't know if you guys had a lunch or something or a coffee. He fills me in on all of it. And then I'm like, oh, shit. That's the same people that reached out to me on LinkedIn Whoops. and I ignored. <laughs> a little embarrassing. Well, I mean, it, so we could have had this a year sooner. But, but I think anyway, that, I think that's a good lesson that like sometimes if you're if you're successful, like a lot of people are drawn to you and it's it's overwhelming. It's to the point where you literally I'm not real res- good at parsing it out. You I can't. Guess. You yeah, can't. It's hard. You can't. You cannot. You cannot humanly address everybody the way they want to be addressed. Yeah. So, so I think the lesson is keep trying because it's usually the squeaky wheel that gets the attention, and so it's the, timing too. It's yeah, hit them yeah. the right time. Yeah. yeah. Right. So we ended up. He he took that meeting. Uh, I was out of town. He took the meeting. Went really well. Uh, then I think when I was back in town, the four of us sat down. The two folks, the investment bankers, the two of us sat down, and we started. We just started having talks, and it was like definitely a feeling out process. Um, we didn't sign up with them immediately. Or they didn't push us super hard. They weren't pushy. Um, they were actually fans of the brand because they live in Austin. So that made it a little bit easier. They were actually probably a little protective of us because they know the brand so well. That helped. And um, fast forward a little bit, we ended up signing with them. Like Brandon mentioned, they did put together an investment deck. for. And, and what that's like for the for listeners is we sat down and they had to just like this huge... Uh, these huge long sessions where they would ask us a ton of detailed questions. We had to provide a ton of details on our financials and our business operations. It was like opening up the hood of a car. And we, uh, we're we not super protective of this stuff, so we didn't find it really difficult. But it takes a lot of time. And it takes a lot of time for them to put all this together in a real presentable fashion. So while they're working on putting this all together... The deck. The deck. Yeah, the I, deck. The Savory Fund comes into Austin. This is pre-COVID. And comes into town and has that experience that he mentioned at the Eastside restaurant. So we're not even finished with the deck. We haven't taken that deck to market to solicit other offers or solicit offers. And the Savory Fund wants to meet us. And I, I'll let Andrew tell this, that part of the story because I'm not sure uh, how he knew the investment bankers. But they, these are tight circles is my guess. Yeah, it's, it's pretty tight. Yeah, The bankers that we knew, they... They had been a, at a different firm for a while. They left. And one of our investment team members knew and We were looking at another brand that they were potentially going to represent. And we just said, hey, do you guys know the Via 313 guys? And they said, actually, we're talking to them right now about retaining them to take them to market. And we said, don't take them to market because we want it. Okay. We had such a good experience that we're just like, we just want to work with them. That's awesome. So I guess the, one of the things I'm curious about when we talk about partnerships, you need to really... It's like it's a marriage. It's a total marriage. Yeah, it's a marriage. This is just like a... a 
husband and wife is a legal document that says you are this a business partnership is a legal document that says that you're in business together right and it's like and you're married to that person you know like you are literally like you, you, it should be to death to us part if it's a good it, partnership it, right agreed and it's also i think much more intense because we have thousands of people as we get going we'll have thousands of people we're responsible for not your one or two or three kids like we represent a lot of people we we have a lot of people we're responsible for so you two are brothers you are family you're, t- you're yeah. not married but you're like you're the next closest thing or probably even closer than because like you don't have a choice this is your brother you know <laughs> like so you guys are family um what was it like having partners you your partners your family right you're bringing somebody who's an outsider in. what was it about andrew and the other people that made you feel like this is the the these i want to marry these guys what was so appealing i was willing to change my last name to hunt so it's now andrew hunt so So working on the arm tattoos but i gotta find a good one i gotta find a good one great on you yeah Yeah. (laughs) who wants to answer that what was it it's awkward because he's sitting right here i mean oh no nothing's awkward what do you love about andrew (laughs) (laughs) listen and i talked i touched on this earlier on the stage yeah uh Maybe me more so than him, or both of us. I don't know. We both had our guard up about this. You should. Not, not with Savory, but just anybody yeah. in the private equity space. And then we met them before we went to market. We met the Savory team before we went to market. So uh, we've got our investment bankers saying, look, you guys need to meet the folks from the Savory team. Andrew, uh, Andrew Smith specifically, because he's an interesting person to meet. He's, and they thought that it would be a good fit. But we still were like, I don't know. We got to meet these guys, and we got to meet this team and see. And then we had that first meeting. We had him into our office, and um, you know, we have never done this before. It's not like we've traveled in these circles, so we were very skeptical of how it could go, and we're we're deathly afraid of uh, somebody just writing us a check for a bunch of money and then telling us to go spend it wisely. Like that 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 doesn't interest me. That's scary. Yeah. I want help. But with the right partner, it's more than that. It's right. here's the check and here's our resources. But we didn't know that at the time. We're yeah. being told that that's possible, but we don't know how it's possible, right? Yeah. So then we sit down and that we we meet the Savory team. Uh, Andrew, I don't I think it was probably five or six people in that in that first meeting. And um I mean, you get cheesy, you get sappy here, but Andrew's a charismatic person who understands how to uh, read rooms. And uh, I just get down to you on a human level. He, he understands that probably as, as well as anybody I've met in this, in, this, in this game. That's the truth. And it was so obvious after like five or ten minutes. I'm like, oh, this dude's, this dude's fantastic. The rest of the team's quiet because Andrew <laughs> Andrew's a big presence. So the rest of the team's quiet. And Andrew's, Andrew's filling up all the space. My brother and I are looking at each other in that first meeting. I'm like, shit, man, we're... We're talking about we're talking about cars and watches, pizza, watches, and pizza, like th- things that we care about. Like we clearly have something you're in dating. common with them. You're going totally, on dates. Yeah, that's you're exactly totally what dating. Like. That's absolutely right. It was yeah. fun as hell. It was it's, like <laughs> that first meeting. I'll, I'll always remember because it was like we weren't even talking business. Really, we were just talking much. life and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Grant, what would you like to add to that? I'm, I'm now missing a lot of stuff. No, I mean that that's really it. Is we would get on the phone with other people, other investment or other uh, other. Uh, PE companies and they're just it's just about the numbers nothing about people nothing about who we are as people our goals no long walks nothing they just they're just sitting on a clipboard (laughs) yeah working an excel sheet and uh it just it's soulless that's that's not the life we want to live i'd like to add also in that first meeting i don't know if shauna was there not the first one no shauna's the The second one ceo at this point the second meeting with Shauna, yeah. And she's like, we could sit here and talk business, but I want to hear about you personally. I want to know what you're into. I want to hear about your family. I want to get to know you as a human being. And I'm like, shit, well, you're not going to get that with a lot of people. Not that fast. Did you send him a link to our episode? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, we've heard it. We listen to it in our diligence. I, I, really, so. <laughs> I really appreciate that approach. How did I do? You guys did great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's it. Yeah. That strikes a big chord with So me. we've been focusing on Zane and Brandon on and how you know what it was about Andrew that got you guys all hot and bothered but now let's like go the other direction what was it about you talked about the experience the restaurant it was special uh what from an investor standpoint what were the things that I mean obviously the culture fit we talked about that we addressed that but like on like a business level what really excites you about what Brandon and Zane built in via 313. You know, it's interesting in, in my industry now that I get to see hundreds of restaurant brands. 
it starts becoming more and more clear what's unique, right? What's truly genuine. And not that I'm using that word because when you walk into a Via 313, it says genuine right on the walls, right? But um, with Brennan and Zane, from the first few minutes I met with them, I'm like, I just want to work with them as human beings. Um, they seem genuine. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, is I don't know why it just always enters my mind, but there was just some magic there with their brand. It, there's a lot of pizza. Yeah. Authenticity and magic. I don't know. Two you Jews from Detroit it. making Detroit pizza. Yeah. I mean, how does that work in Austin? You're like, this is so crazy, but there was yeah. magic there. And having had the experience first and then meeting them, I mean, I had the experience naturally too. I didn't go in there with my tablet, you know, and my team and we were sitting there picking things apart. We just enjoyed it as a guest. And I don't know. It was such an impression on me, just the guest experience and yeah. what they, um, how they built their business around that guest experience. So when I met with them, I said, well, tell me, like, what are you about and what's important to you and with the brand? So we don't touch that authenticity. When we come in, we don't want to fuck up anything. Yeah. We just want you to stay the same. Yeah. And Brandon and I remember telling, like, well, we want everybody to come in and understand what they're buying, what Detroit-style pizza is. And if they've never been in, give them a gift before they leave. And all of that stuff happened for me. I'm like, this is what they believe and this is who they are. I don't care as much about like a dirty corner of a restaurant like some people do. They'll go in there and pick people apart like, well, your restrooms were a little dirty or the, the bench was a little dirty. It's like, screw that. There is so much magic in that room that I'm like, this can scale. It can be duplicated because these guys care more than most anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, man, there's so much to talk about. I'm like trying to like pick a direction. Pick any. I know, right? Um Start talking cars and watches. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what was what was going through my mind as you were talking, I couldn't help but think of Malcolm Gladwell and his book, Blink. Yeah. And we underestimate the low road, meaning the the subconscious, the things that were happening that we're paying attention to that we're not even aware that we're paying attention to. And it's a gut feeling. And sometimes we're told not to trust your gut to to look at the data and you you, you can't take risks. But nine times out of ten, you you should back up your gut with the data. But you should also trust your gut. And your gut was picking up on all these little elements that over the years you picked up on that are things to look for in an investment. It sounds like that it was just like... It, it was listen, a- it, you, you could not say it better than that. I, the team did their research, their diligence for us. We have to do that. That's our job to do that before we make an investment of millions, tens of millions of dollars, which is what we're going to put into Via 313. At the end of the day... I made the decision based on my gut yeah, and the meeting these two human beings. Yeah. Everything else was kind of like, okay, there's no embezzlement. And they're not lying to us. Okay, great. Checkbox. Let's go ahead and do the deal. Everything yeah. else in my mind would be figured out. And we've figured it out along the way. And we're figuring it out every single day. I love that. Um, so anything we have not discussed as far as things to consider relative to the idea of equity and private equity? I just think that we, we talked a little bit about it this on the stage just a moment ago too and I think that these guys should speak to it too just so that all your listeners can hear this too private equity is not for everyone I, I know that sounds crazy it's just not for everybody and and the reason why it's not for everyone is because you actually have to in your mind be ready to to give up some of your baby okay what I think I'm pretty sure, but I just want to make sure. Private equity is what we described before. Where you're giving up assets yeah you're selling a piece of your business to us so who is and, it for then so it's for our investors. So in private equity, there's always going to be a group of limited partners. So let's just say yourself, you want to be in restaurants, but you don't know which restaurant to go give it to. So then you put it into this group of investors fund commitments. Okay. And then when we find something like Via 313, we go to them and say, we have found something amazing like Via 313. We'd like to buy a portion of this business. We bought 60%. And when we do that, we will then call you and say, you need to give us X number percent of the money that you committed. So we can take yours along with all the other investors' money, put it together, and we give it to them, and then we buy our seat at the table. So now I sit at the table representing our group of investors, our limited partners, and we own as a group 60%. But I'm the one that represents all of them, myself and Greg Warnock. And so now Brandon and Zane are the partners of 40% of the equity of the business and then we're the partners of the 60% of the Split equity of the business. Split amongst three. Split amongst the three. Got That's it. right. And again, to, to put some like polished touches on it because it sounds horrid. Wait, real quick yeah. before you get into that, how tight was your asshole when this deal went down? How tight was, how tight was your asshole? When this, I must, I mean, if I'm going to have 60% of exactly. my business. Exactly. That's where I was going with this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, the thing, and then again, every private equity company is going to be different, but I think they were nice enough to look out for us and go, listen, we're going to start two boards. You'll have two of the three seats on the things that are important to you. 
your recipes, your branding, the music, whatever it is. Let's make sure we put all of that on the board that you guys have two of the three votes on. We're going to start a second board where you have two of the five votes of the things that will protect our investment, essentially. Growth strategy, banking, whatever, financing, debt, everything that we can't get in the way of, technically. You know, they don't, yeah. We don't want to get in the way either, though, because we still own 40% as well. Yeah. And then on top of that, I think we have a mutual handshake to never flex that two out of three votes and they don't flex their three out of five votes on us. We, we always come to an agreement. We may not always see it right away, right off the bat, but we always come around to agreeing. And, and it is very much a partnership. It might as well be 50-50. Yeah. So this is what I'm... Um, the mentality I tell people is when, when they're scaling and thinking on a more a smaller level, say you're, you're a restaurant tour and you have one restaurant and you want to, maybe you have two restaurants, three restaurants, and you're at your wit's end. You cannot go to four. You do not have the bandwidth to go to four. You give up 50% equity in restaurant number five or four, whatever the next one is, because you know that you can't do it without that other person. So you're not giving up 50%. You're getting access to 50% you would have never otherwise yeah, that's a good way to say access it. That's to. a good way to say it. And that's it, what happens a lot in this industry. And that's exactly what's happening here because you guys are giving up 60%, but you're splitting it 20% each way. So you have five partners now. That And the other cool thing about that is it's an odd number, so you can vote, yeah. right? Which I think is really important. And the other important. three, we don't always agree either. Yeah. <laughs> but we always get to an agreement like Brandon said. But again, said. you're giving up 60% of what you're making right now to get way more potential. Way more. Way more. you got to give and, and remember this too, Eric. They didn't give up 60. They sold it. Yeah. I, I know. So, I'm using words. Well, no. And the reason why I say this yeah. so that when the people are listening to this too, you don't have to give anything. Yeah. If you actually have a good business, you're at three, you're at your wits end. There are investors out there that will buy a piece of it to buy a seat at the table, let you take that money and put it in your bank account, and then breathe some. Yeah. That's what we believe is a smart thing to do. That's the mentality you need to have. Is you that have to have You that. can go so much further together than you can oh, by yourself. The pie, the pie will always be bigger. Yeah. No pun. The pie will and be bigger. And it's way better when you get to eat it with other people. Oh, for sure. It's so much more fun. I can tell and, you that and, from experience. And to be clear, we, we were willing to sell 80%. So he's the one that talked. Us I talked down. him out of him. He, yeah, he talked us like, down to six. Dumbasses, we're going to make so much money together. What are you doing? <laughs> Brandon's like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll fine. I'll. Yeah. <laughs> so I, no, I just want to pause. Sorry, if you want to add. No, to there's an old saying, right? If you want to go fast, you go alone. If you want to go far, you go together. Yeah, and, and that yeah, that long awesome. game, that long game is so much more. Enduring. So yeah. much more. Yeah. So the the thought that I just side note, I wanted to kind of just. Uh, did these guys give you a warning that I ask very personal questions? No, but I love them, actually. It's better than most. So, so the reason why job. I ask these questions is because this is the shit we don't talk about in the industry. And this is why we get into trouble. Because we don't understand this side of the business. I know. If we're going to transform the industry, our mission statement is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. We've got to have weird, awkward questions or you do. conversations to empower the industry so they can move forward. And we'll, we'll all be better because of it. Totally agree. We'll go further together as an industry. Ask anything you want. Yeah. So, I mean, what haven't we talked about up to this point? We have about, um, you know, I'll, I'll give you like another 10 minutes because I want to respect your time. What else have we not talked about? I would say structure. I think it's important. Brandon just talked about it now, too. Make sure that you're in a structure if you're going to do a deal like this that um, respects you as the founder or as the majority partner today post-transaction. So Make what, sure that your voice is going to be heard. What's so, a good structure look like? So like we said, we, we gave those guys um, two of the three votes on everything brand. We invested because the brand is excellent today and we want it to be excellent post-transaction. I have more to lose now than anyone. Yeah. Right? So, of course, I want them to help us make sure that we don't make mistakes as we grow it and scale it. So, just make sure you structure it. Structure is a big thing um, to make sure that you have a voice still and that it's heard and that you have some say. The other thing is make sure that you always go in eyes wide open. I tell everybody that in every investment, whether it's this industry or another, go in with your eyes wide open. What I mean by that is ask all those uncomfortable questions. Ask everything. Yeah. I don't understand this. What does this mean? And, of course, attorneys can help you with that, but make sure at a layman's level, you understand what you're getting yourself into because it is, it's a marriage. It's a new relationship. You have to be humble enough to listen and be a partner now, yeah. not be the, you know, the, the limelight monger where it's all got to be about me still. I got to make every decision. I got to micromanage everything. You've got to literally be able to give up a lot of those controls. Yeah. So, uh, one thing I wrote down and I was really curious, um, about this earlier, but I wanted to shelf it looking into the future. What's, 
how are you looking to diversify and create an omnidirectional platform of revenue? Like you have, you're, you are food and beverage. You did a lot of merchandise. I know that was a big part of your game too. What were, catering is a big part of your game. Uh, Alexandra, who was here earlier, you're doing her wedding, by the way. She's super excited to have you guys. Uh, she said, great deals, by the way. If you guys are interested in catering weddings, be a one three. Those just be pizza. Great deals. Anyway, um, what, 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 what was your portfolio like? Where were the channels of revenue before? What do you? Mean? What was our portfolio? So you had so you had money coming in from people eating in your restaurant. Yeah, you had money coming in from catering. You had money coming in from online ordering. You had money. Where, where else was it? merchandise? That's it. I mean, we we haven't changed anything. Okay. Even during COVID, we didn't really. Other than you know having to close the dining rooms, yeah. which we said we wouldn't talk about this. Uh, we we haven't we've never changed anything. Okay. We we stick to what we what we do. So what is the future like? What what things do you want to do? I mean, you don't. Do you want to change the port? Like the, are you going to change the way you make money at all? Is that on your horizon? No, we're going to make pizza and yeah. make people happy. <laughs> yeah, are you About as easy as that? Uh, scale. I mean, we're going to grow it so that we're in more cities, and that's how we're going to grow. Are grow you going to get involved with the, this idea of ghost kitchens and franchising? No, and selling your recipes. I, I think to other that we all. We, no, I think that we all felt the same about that before we did our transaction. Mm-hmm. That we didn't want to do ghosts because the part of Via Three One Three that makes it magic, people. like I said, is the experience in the dining room, sitting, breaking bread or breaking a pie over a table with the sight, sounds, and smells. Everything yeah. in the restaurant. You can't get that from ghosts. You can't get that from virtual. We're even uncomfortable with delivery. Yeah. We don't want to do delivery. Yeah. There's no relationship. And I I, I've stood behind that because that's what they yeah. said at the beginning. Like, I'm not going to touch that. I totally agree with that. In, 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 in person, on-site dining is not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. Because people want to connect. It's, 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 it's hardwired. We're social we human are. creatures. Yeah. That's what we want to you do. You can add other channels of revenue, but if of that's course. not your interest, then don't do it. Because what's the point unless you uh, like We're going to nail the in-store experience better than anybody, and we're going to bring it to 50 different locations in the next three to four years. Everybody's going to know about Via 313 over the yeah. next couple of years. So what does the future of the industry look like as far as what you guys think? How, are you looking to evolve or change? Or, or better question, what do you want the future of the industry to look like? I want the future to be more like the past, personally. I think that everybody is a little bit nervous about the future, and that's what I think Via 313 has done so special, special, is that they've brought, I think, in my mind, the 20, 30-year-ago pizza experience nostalgia. back to the table. There's so much nostalgia behind it, and that's what probably the magic is. I think they're bringing the past forward, and I actually think people want that more and more. Yeah. I do. What do you think, Brandon? No, I, I totally agree. I, we want to double down on, on that. We, we, I don't want to get into the, a soulless transaction. Yeah, I, I think that's a good move. I mean, there's more and more people moving in that direction. It's going to get easier. Well, I mean, people are looking to do more with less, and that's a dangerous thing because you lose traction. You know? I don't know what I'm trying to say there. No, I, I mean, I want to be comfortable to... I want to be sensitive to our partnerships with with some vendors that we work with, but you know, we we can do just fine without online ordering. We can do fine without third party delivery. Our our concept. I know other concepts can be a little bit different. So I'm not discounting what they do, but it's just for us. We don't have to rely on that, and I really want to double down on that. Awesome. Just taking care of people. Awesome. I love that side note that when I started here recording, uh, it was on Saturday and they were setting up and there were beeping noises in the background. And I'm here, the last per- first person to show up, the last person to leave. Last recording. person, man. This is kind of dope. We're beeping. actually watching the scene break down around us. They shut us. the lights off on me one time. I was yeah, here until awesome. 7 o'clock the other day. Um, <laughs> I, I've gotten all my questions out. I think there was a lot of value in our time together. We're at 50 minutes of recording. Uh, anything we haven't discussed, any thoughts you guys want to get out? I mean, what if we're interested in joining your team? You guys are about to explode. Over, you mentioned you're going to open what four locations in the next year and another 10, 10, 10 next year. Yeah, well, 50 locations in the next four to five years. So, we're due for another interview in three years because I can't wait to see what's happening. Yeah, what we, we next. should talk about it. I mean, because it's going to be things will change on the landscape for V313. I love it. It'll uh, be the leader in Detroit style pizza. Beautiful. Uh, Brandon, any final thoughts, words, wisdom, motivation? Hmm. Funny lines. I mean, do whatever makes you happy, <laughs> yeah. you know? I don't, again, like Andrew said, I don't, I, this doesn't. This isn't for everyone. Some people enjoy, you know, working one restaurant, knowing everybody in the room. We just wanted to go for it. Uh, we we didn't want to have any regrets of what this could be. Yeah, I love that, Zane. No, I, I agree. And to be clear, I mean, even what Brandon just said, uh, I think when we first started, for anybody that's listening, that you know, think 
did we get into this business thinking we would be sitting here doing private equity conversations uh, 10 years later? Absolutely not. Uh, our goal was to open one restaurant in a neighborhood and be and it be the neighborhood pizza place. Yeah. It's as uh, simple as that. Yeah. Man. And the demand was greater than what we could supply out of one location. So we've just adjusted year over year over year. And now here we are at the precipice of something large. Awesome. So. Uh, Andrew, same, any final thoughts? Words yeah, I would just tell everybody to know when the right time is. And the right time is when you feel like you want to go for it, like Brandon just said, yeah. right? And, and it's okay to have this be a lifestyle business. This industry affords you a lot of different opportunities. And, and owning a brand that kicks off good cash and provides you a great lifestyle, there's nothing to be ashamed of. And it's okay if you don't grow beyond that. Yeah. Enjoy it. Yeah. Don't have the pressure of, I have to go find an investor and go big. It, yeah. There's, there's, there's some negatives that come with it. You're bringing up a good point right now. And I've, I have the, um, the privilege to be able to talk to a lot of successful people. And we idolize people successful people in this industry or people that sure. the media promote or the, the magazines promote. And the truth is a lot of those people that are at the top, the top of this game aren't people you, you want. You don't want their lives. You no, you don't. don't. Want it's their a lives. complex life. And we, we polish the shit out of it. We make yep. it look so beautiful. We all want it. And it, we need to start really sharing the truth about what it's like to be quote unquote successful in this industry because to get the attention you need sometimes your margins are just up. They're just fucked up. Your margins yeah. get fucked up. It's just the like the cover girl model, right? They're being yeah. touched up and it's making them look perfect, but and it's not perfect. And a lot of these people are successful because they have mental illness. They, and that's the truth. They're not okay. They're not healthy. They're not in a good place. They have sacrificed way too much to have what everybody wants. And guess what? There's a balance to be met. There's a balance. And yeah. I was going to say, be happy with what you've got. Yeah. Go for it, but do it in a, in a disciplined manner. 60 to $75,000 a year is the number that the average American needs to live a life with all the security they need. And if you can reach that point, I'm saying you... If, it's, if you want to make more than that, then great. But like the truth is, that's all you need to be happy. If you've hit that point, you should be happy. You know, like you yeah. don't need more. It's a good point. Yeah. Um, so I'm saying it's a bad thing if you want more, but nope. There is just know what it comes with. It's like a drug, dude. Like you, yeah. you're, you will never get enough if that's your goal. Because right. agreed. Yep. So um, I love this conversation. Uh, we wrap up every chat by calling somebody out. So who do you guys think I should get on the show? I can't remember who you called out last time, but who do you respect and admire in the industry? And if they were a guest on the show tomorrow, you'd be tuning in. I, I would probably call out Aaron Lyons from Dish Society. I'm too, totally intrigued with that concept. I've had him on the show. And Oh, okay. Well, well shit. Aaron, you're already on here. But I think he's a stud and he's a killer brand, killer concept. You also should... Okay, if you've already had him on the show, then you got to get uh, Joey Maggiore. Okay. Out of uh, out of Scottsdale, that guy is a freaking stud, K- killer chef. Three different concepts, just an unbelievable guy. Joey Maggiore. Trying to find I that episode. Can't remember. You know, we listened to your show, especially the Austin ones when you were in town. Did you do Jack Gilmore? I did. Okay, he's he's one of our favorites. I know, but here's the thing: I'm getting people back on the show. Yeah. Because one of the lessons I learned is not about how many people you know; it's about knowing the right I, people and then going I, deeper. I would do yeah. Jack Gilmore again, just because. He's got Salt Traders now kicking probably since the last time yeah. we talked. And I think he's done Jack Allen's two or three more times. Really? So. And then Mike, you know, obviously, I know you've talked to Mike uh, from Torchies, But, I mean, they're at, what, 80, 90 locations yeah. now. And he still works out at my gym. You know, like, he's still around. Nice. You know? I would love uh, to get them on the show. And I just... Maybe one more. I, I want to like. There's so many people. No, I like. please. I, this makes my job easier because there's that barrier between me and people asking to be on the show. And I said, "Well, you weren't recommended." <laughs> <laughs> with with pizza, you know. Um, you know what? Um, Clint, Clint over at Forty North. Joey, Jack, Clint. Am I missing anybody? Uh, Torchies, uh, Mike. Mike. Look out, guys. I'm coming back after you. Right. I'm coming at you for the first time. Yeah, those are good ones. And if you want to talk to Aaron, Aaron, you're another one. Uh, Aaron is episode 608. I mentioned if you wanted to listen to that, yeah, head great. over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 608. And I'll have the links to the other interviews I did with Jack and Mike and who are we missing? I think I, those are the ones I've already done. Jack, yeah. Mike. Yeah. Clint, awesome. 40 North. Thank you guys so much for making time for me to come hang uh, out. Thanks, Aaron. I know you got to catch again, a flight. Uh, there is no question you guys are unstoppable. <laughs> Cheers. 
There we go. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Stoppable. I hope you guys all found value in today's conversation and a special thanks to the Texas Restaurant Association for inviting me to record at their annual TRA trade show. This year it was in San Antonio. Uh, I just can't say thank you enough for their support. Uh, they're always there for me. Uh, they've, this is the second year or third year now, I want to say, that we've done this. Uh, and, you know, I get great content whenever I come out there. This is the last of the interviews that I recorded when I was out in Texas. And uh, again, just thank you for this great opportunity. And again, thank you to the Hunt Brothers and to Andrew Smith for coming on the show. And I, I love talking to the Hunt Brothers. I love what they've created. If you guys did not catch that first episode, I'm telling you, go back to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 560 and listen to that first episode because there was tons of great advice in that chat today too. And I think lots of great takeaways from today's chat. Uh, when to consider private equity, uh, whether or not private equity equity is good for you. Uh, and just, you know, the, this idea that, Yes, you're giving up equity in your business. You're giving up a percentage in your business. But how much bigger can the pie get with the right help and the right people on your team? And you know, the, the your cut of the pie is smaller, but that's, that cut is bigger than a small pie all to yourself. And I think that's the mentality of uh, abundance that you need to have in order for private equity to work. And um, just really great stuff today. I'm super excited to see where the Hump Brothers go. And uh, I'll be paying attention. I'll be following their progress. You can count on that. So if you guys are not in Restaurant Unstoppable Network yet, I would love to have you come join us in the network and be a part of the conversation. We have a bunch of live workshops heading your way in the near future. Ken McGeary from the Surprise Restaurant Manager is joining us to talk about how to basically prepare first-time managers and there's a lot of things that you'd be surprised that you need to you know cover when being a first-time manager or preparing your your staff to become managers we're going to have uh carrie luxem joining us to take us through the proper termination checklist and we have donald burns who is way overdue to be back on the show coming to do a three-part workshop on menu engineering and we have David Scott Peter is coming to talk to us about budgeting. So lots of cool things coming your way. I would love for you to be a part of the conversation. Head over to restaurantstoppablenetwork.com and we'll see you there. Until next time, peace out.